Hi guys. So I'm so excited about this one. Um, we're actually going to talk about using the brain. Um, so this is something that I'm going to read from the book a little bit, but I also am going to talk a lot more than what we did on the last one. Um, so this one is something that kind of stands out to me. So when you read a book the very first time and you highlight it, so like let's just say for instance, this is your very first inner circle book that you're reading, um, the one that we're currently reading, um, Difficult Conversations. So let's just say that you read Difficult Conversations and that you highlight and you make some comments about some things that you enjoyed about the book or some things that stood out to you. But then in a year, you go back and you read that same book. But this time, you're going to grab a different colored highlighter. And you're going to highlight things that stand out to you. Now, some things may be the exact same, but there should be others that are different. So what that means is each time you are looking for something different, you're at a different place in life than what you were the year before. Um, if you are still highlighting the same things, that means that you have not personally changed. You have not focused on how to change your mind. Um, this is so important. This goes beyond just rainbow. This goes to your personal growth, your life changes, your relationship changes, just your thinking changes. Um, what's, what you're finding out is what you're doing, you're not just doing to get it done. You're doing it so that you can self-develop it. So when you're taking notes on something, let's just say, for instance, you take notes on, you know, a book that you're currently reading. In a year, you go back and you read those notes. Your notes are going to stand out to you. But when you read the book again, you're going to find a different light on the book than you did the very first time that you read it. And I know a lot of people have already experienced that um, in our office that they've read a book and then now, you know, it's been a few months and they haven't read that book in a while and they picked up that book again and they read the book again and they picked out things in the book that they didn't pick out the first time. So that's kind of what my talk about is today. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read a couple things to you guys um, that stood out to me. Again, we're going back to uh, the book, The Obstacle is the Way. Um, okay, so Steve Jobs was famous for what observers called his real estate distortion field. So part motivational tactic, part sheer drive and ambition. Uh, this field made him notorious to uh, phrases such as it can't be done or we need more time. Having learned early in life that reality was falsely hemmed in by rules and compromises that people had been uh, taught as children, Jobs had as much more aggressive idea of what was or wasn't possible. To him, when you factored in vision and work ethic, much of life was malleable. For instance, in the design stages for a new mouse for an early Apple product, Jobs had high expectations. He wanted it to be more, to move fluidly in any direction, a new development for any mouse at that time. But a lead engineer was told by one of his designers that this would be commercially impossible. What Jobs wanted wasn't realistic and wouldn't work. 
The next day, the lead engineer arrived at work to find that Steve Jobs had fired the employee who said that. So make sure you're following what just happened. There was a lead engineer, engineer that was told by all the designers that it would be commercially impossible. And so Steve then fired that employee because he said it was going to be impossible. When the replacement came in, his words were, I can build the mouse. This was Jobs' view of reality at work. Malleable, adamant, self-confident, not in the delusional sense, but for the purposes of accomplishing something. He knew that to aim low meant to accept mediocre accomplishment, but a high aim could, if things went right, create something extraordinary. He was Napoleon, shouting to the soldiers, There shall be no Alps. For most of us, such confidence does not come easy. It's understandable, but so many people in our lives have preached the need to be realistic or conservative or worse, to not rock the boat. This is an enormous disadvantage when it comes to trying to do big things. Because though our doubts and self-doubts feel real, they have very little bearing on what is and isn't possible. Our perception, here's that word again that we talked about last uh, yesterday, our perceptions determine to an incredibly large degree what we are, and are not capable of. In many ways, they determine reality itself. When we believe in the obstacle more than in the goal, which will inevitably triumph. For instance, think of artists. It's their unique vision and voice that push the definition of art forward. What was possible for an artist before making a masterpiece? Was it a dark masterpiece, a light masterpiece? Was it two very different masterpieces? Plug in any any other thinker or writer or painter in their own time. And the same applies. This is why we shouldn't listen too closely or to what others have to say. Or to what the voice in our other head says. We'll find ourselves earring on the side of accomplishing anything Be open. Question. Though, of course, we don't control reality, our perceptions do influence it. I'm going to say that again. Though, of course, we don't control our reality, our perceptions do influence it. One week before the first Macintosh computer was supposed to ship, the engineers told Steve Jobs they couldn't make the deadline. On a hastily assembled conference call, the engineers explained that they needed just two additional weeks' work before it was ready. Steve Jobs responded calmly, explaining to the engineers that if they could make it in two weeks, they could surely make it one. There was no real difference in such a short period of time. And in more importance, since they'd come so far and done such good work, there was no, they, no exact way that they could not ship by January 16th, the original shipping date. The engineers rallied and made, more, made their deadline faster than what they originally thought they were going to make it. 
His insistence pushed them once again past what they ever thought was possible. Now, how do you and I usually deal with an impossible deadline handed down from someone above us? Do we complain? Do we get angry? Do we question? How could they? What's the point? Who do they think that I am? We look for a way out and we feel sorry for ourselves. Of course, none of these things affect the objective of that deadline. Not in the way that pushing forward can. Basically, Steve Jobs refused to tolerate people who didn't believe in their own abilities to succeed. Even if his demand were unfair, uncomfortable, or ambitious, the genius and wonder of his product, which often felt impossibly intuitive and futuristic, embody that trait. He had pushed through what others thought were hard limitations, and as a result, he created something totally new. No one believed Apple could make the products it made. In fact, Steve Jobs was pushed out in 1985 because the board members at the time felt Apple's foray into consumer products was a lunatic plan. Of course, they were wrong. Steve Jobs learned to reject the first judgments and the objections that sprung out from them because those objections were almost always rooted in fear. When he ordered a special kind of glass for the first iPhone, the manufacturer was at this aggressive deadline. We don't have the capacity for this. And Steve, all he could say was, don't be afraid, you can do it. Get your mind around it. You can do it. Nearly overnight, manufacturers transformed their facilities into glass making, and within six months, they'd made enough for the whole first run of the phone. This is radically different from how we've ever been taught to act. Be realistic, we're told. Listen to feedback. Play well with others. Compromise. Well, what if the other party is wrong? What if conventional wisdom is too conservative? It's this all too common impulse to complain, defer, and then give up, and that holds us back. An entrepreneur is someone with faith in their ability to make something where there, are, where there was nothing before. I'm going to say that again. An entrepreneur, which is all of you guys, is someone with faith in their ability to make something where there was nothing before. To them, the idea that no one has ever done this or that is good, that is a good thing, when given an unfair task, some rightly see it as a chance to test what they've made of, to give it all they've got knowing full how difficult it will be to win. They see it as an opportunity because it is often in a desperate nothing-to-lose state, that we are our most creative. Our best ideas come from there, where obstacles illuminate new options. I'm going to say that one more time. Our best ideas come from there, 
where obstacles illuminate new options. So that chapter of the book is is so it's so big. It's it, there's so much in that chapter that you could take away from. It was so easy for Steve to walk away from something that now he is so famous for. Creating Apple products. Most of us use iPhones or Macs. I know I personally have several iPads. I've went through several iPhones. I have MacBooks, and I know several of you use iPads. I know several of you that use iPhones. There's so many things that if he would have just given up what everybody was telling him to do or what he felt like was impossible, he would have been giving up those things too. If life was easy, then we would all be surrounded by sunshine and rainbows all the time. Think about that. If it was so easy, what would we have to work towards? What would we have goals for? Why would we really have a brain? Because if life was easy, then we wouldn't necessarily need a brain to help us get through the hard times and the bad times and the good times and the the sad times. We wouldn't have that. Your thoughts are your most powerful tools. They either create awesomeness or they create horrendousness. Your thoughts are the most powerful tools. They either create awesomeness or they create horrendousness. It's through our thoughts that we create our reality. It's through our thoughts that we create our reality. That reality is what builds our perception. Going back to yesterday. That reality is what builds our perception. So today, I want you to think about all the things that you constantly tell yourself you can't do. All the things that you say, oh, well, just because she can do it doesn't mean that I can't. I want you to come up with a list of the things that you struggle with the most. The things that you let yourself down the most. Maybe it's being a better spouse. Maybe it's being a better parent. Maybe it's being a better dealer. Maybe it's being a better child of the Lord. There's so many things that we don't realize that we say we can't do. Or this person does it. There's no way that I could do it. There's so many of those. I want you to come up with a list of the things that you feel are impossible. Because my goal is to help you make those impossible lists into a possible list. Stay tuned for the next podcast. Y'all have a great day.